Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you joined us. A little later in the show, we are going to hear from Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who made a big deal out of the idea of fixing the roads during last year's campaign. Now she says she's got a plan to do that, raise the gas tax by 45 cents a gallon. She's going to talk to us about how she plans to sell that idea in Lansing to her legislature that is still controlled by Republicans. So you're going to want to stay tuned to that conversation later in the show. But first, the rest of the nation is getting to know Rashida Tlaib as a member of the Firebrand Caucus in the new Democratic congressional majority. Her name is invoked alongside Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar, either as a hero of leftist politics or a consistent villain of conservative circles. But around here, we know Tlaib much better. As a former state rep from southwest Detroit, as an outspoken advocate for her constituents here in southeast Michigan, as a dedicated fighter for those who are overlooked and underappreciated. Congresswoman Tlaib joins us today to talk about what's going on in Washington and specifically to address two new pieces of legislation she has recently introduced. One focused on auto insurance rates and the other on petroleum coke. Congresswoman, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen, for having me. Yes. So let's start, actually, with uh, I would love to get your reaction to what the president said about this mass shooting in New Zealand, uh, the mass shooting of Muslims in in New Zealand. What was your reaction to what he said? It wasn't what he said. It was it was mostly what he didn't say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know as a Muslim American, even in public office in the Michigan legislature, uh, you know, I was always asked to come very strongly in, in, in showing that when there was any, you know, um, Islam injected into some sort of terrorist act, I, I very, very strongly condemned it. Uh, you know, these are not people that were related to me or, you know, I felt this sense of responsibility, but I felt it was important that I I made sure and very clear that that type of violence and that type of terrorism uh, is, um, uh, you know, very much unacceptable uh, and, and we should speak up about it, and not be silent. So for me, it's it's what the president hasn't said, which is condemning white nationalism and recognizing that white supremacy does exist, uh, especially in our backyard. Uh, you know, I'm hoping to be part of the judiciary hearings on white supremacy and, and nationalism. There have been uh, reports from the Department of Justice of the high rise. Uh, I know ADL and uh, Southern Poverty Center, all, many organizations have been looking at this very closely. And, and I want uh, our president to recognize that it, it does exist and that it's important to condemn it and be very loud and clear that it's uh, not going to be, there's going to be zero tolerance for that type of hate and that rage uh, that leads to violence and killings of people based on their faith, their ethnicity, their sexual orientation. I mean, white supremacy and, and, and nationalism movement is, is very dangerous. And that the fact that it's so rooted in so much um, rhetoric coming from the White House is also extremely dangerous. So, so one of the things that you said recently on CNN is that you think Islamophobia is still very present on both sides of the aisle. Uh, white supremacy is something that we're talking about a lot more right now in in the political narrative in this country than we were before. Do you do you would you go as far as to say that the president's lack of pushback against those things is intended to stoke them? In other words, that this is not just 
coincidence, but that this is a calculated strategy to give strength to those ideas from the highest level of our government. Uh, I can tell you, Stephen, I've only been there about three and a half months or so. Uh, it's exhausting to try to figure out why. Why hasn't he condemned? What, why does he say certain things? What does that all mean? What I do focus on is what he hasn't been doing, which is speaking very loudly and clearly against this type of terrorism. Uh, you know, I don't want prayers. I don't want it was very bad thing that happened. Uh, I want in our country that will not be tolerated and that type of violence and terrorism will not be tolerated and that we're going to put the full force of not only Congress and in, in pushing back and providing funding and support to making sure that we're not uh, allowing it to grow uh, right here at home. And, and, you know, that's what I focus on is trying to advocate that our president and the administration do more. And that's what I can do. But trying to interpret what he's trying to do and what he means, uh, I can't keep up. Uh, I can't keep up with the tweets. I can't keep up with understanding even in an oversight committee, hearing from people in his administration who haven't gone a- after predatory lending uh, since the, the administration shifted from the Obama administration to, to the current one. I mean, these are things that I have uh, been very loud and clear about and being as constructive as I can be, right? Uh, what have you been doing on this issue? That's what I want to know. Uh, I, and again, I know the Department of Justice um, has been very, very uh, anxious to be speaking out about what's happened uh, in our country around white supremacy, and they've done a report in 2017. And I'm eager to be part of those conversations and those hearings. I think it's really important that the American people um, you know, have confidence, full confidence, that we're taking it seriously. Uh, you also were involved recently with the passing of an anti-hate resolution in the House. Talk about the politics involved in that resolution and sort of where we're at with this conversation about the difference between Islamophobia and anti-Semitism or maybe the connection between those two. There was a little bit of give and take there. Yeah, you know, I'm so fortunate, Stephen, to come from a district that knows I'm Muslim and don't care. They just know I'm a hard worker. You know, I, around here, I'm Rashida from Southwest Detroit, but I'm also now, you know, this new member of Congress. And I can tell you, you know, many of us who are different, I mean, this is the largest incoming class since Watergate, and we're diverse. But many of us didn't run because, you know, we wanted to be first. We ran because you know, we were passionate about certain things. We were, you know, a lot of us are young moms uh, that just don't want our children growing up in this type of world, right? And, you know, we, we serve differently and we talk differently. And so when this came about, uh, when Representative Presley says to me, Ayanna Presley from Massachusetts said, you know, there's no hierarchy of pain, uh, of, of hate. Uh, and we need to be looking at this in all ends. People finally understood it, and we all said, absolutely. And that's where, you know, as a Muslim, uh, as somebody that's raising two Muslim boys in this country, I didn't want us to only sing out one type of bigotry and racism that's happening in our country, but we needed to recognize that all the forms of hate that's happening in our country and bringing us together. You know, Pastor Bland, Jr., a black pastor in our district in the 13th, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Bland said something beautifully to me. He said, we're not a country that's divided. We are a country that's disconnected. And I feel very strongly that when that resolution came about, it was that around that theme of how do we connect each other? Because anti-blackness is real, Stephen. What's happening around, you know, homophobia, xenophobia, so much that's happening in our country, uh, all of that, we, we need to be connecting on that and working together to combat all forms of hate. And at the end, I was pleased 
to see the words white supremacy in there, to see Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, all those things that I think is important. Because I look at my immigrant neighbors and I know they're being targeted as much as Muslims are, as much as Jews are, and, 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 and those from the LGBTQ community. I mean, I know that the Sikh community, you know, are, are, are directly being targeted. I, I know that because being someone that organized the campaign to take on hate and so many other racial justice campaigns, it was when we all came together, not after a tragedy, but before that, uh, before coming together around how do we build, um, you know, a community based on love and respect, uh, based on equality and justice. And those are the, the, the kind of, I think, theme or, or centered around that is why we ended up with the resolution that we, we, we had. And it was really important to me uh, and to many of us. I mean, there's only three American Muslims that Islamophobia was also at the forefront. My guest is Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. She's a Democrat from Detroit, represents Michigan's 13th Congressional District. We're talking about what is going on in Washington, uh, what's going on around the world, really, with the narrative, the political narrative around things like Islamophobia and anti-Semitism, white supremacy. We're also going to talk about two bills she has introduced to to deal with uh, auto insurance and petroleum coke along the Detroit River. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. I have a Congress a question for the Congresswoman or want to talk about any of those issues. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Rashida, I want to talk just a little about the president, a little more about the president. Uh, you have stood by the idea that you believe... He should be impeached. Uh, Meanwhile, the speaker says, uh, I'm not so sure that that's the right way. And there are several other members of leadership who have backed away from that position. Tell me why you still believe that that's the right thing to do. And then talk about what you think uh, the effect of that is. Is that helping the Democrats uh, strategize to govern, or is it just making it easier for your enemies across the aisle, uh, the conservative hmm. caucus, to to raise money essentially off of uh, off of what you're saying? Yeah, I don't know if they're raising money, but I can tell you this: uh, you know, many of us we came with uh, very strong values, uh, all of us new members, but that didn't stop us from supporting Medicare for all, even though leadership might not be there yet. Green New Deal. Uh, you know, my impeachment resolution is basically beginning the investigation into the impeachable offenses. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm a lawyer, but I'm also a person that I, I've always um, been very much opposed to these kinds of, you know, what I call corporate bullies. And to me, he is one. Uh, uh, the president is very much lawless. You know, this is a lawless president. He doesn't understand processes or he intentionally ignores the laws. And for me, the United States Constitution, the Emoluments Clause, is something at the forefront. And, and I want to like understand, folks to understand, I mean, look at President Truman. He went to war without going through Congress. Mm-hmm. And every single president followed that. They set a president that, that it's okay, let's do that. Now we're backtracking and saying, whoa, we, we should be doing something and stopping any president from going to war, which is very serious, uh, you know, action taken that, again, to me, is a direct violation of the United States Constitution. You have to come to Congress. And with, the, with this current president, is that every other president, all 44, had uh, divested, completely mm-hmm. 
separated him themselves from a direct conflict of interest, especially foreign and domestic inv- investments in businesses. And it says there in the Constitution, it's there for a reason. Why is this important and why people need to understand why I'm so passionate about this is that, you know, I got T-Mobile that wants to merge with Sprint right now. But T-Mobile is out there, you know, spending $195,000 at the Trump Hotel in D.C. Mm-hmm. You know, our current sitting president in the Oval Office got like $40 million in revenue last year from the Trump Hotel in D.C. I mean, so these are things that, you know, I think people need to understand this is not going to be our last CEO that runs for president. If we let this continue, not at least holding hearings about these offenses and pushing back against them. I mean, in a, in a perfect you know, world, uh, it would, it, he would comply. He would say, oh, great, they're having a hearing. Maybe I should, I should provide my taxes. Maybe I should divest into all these uh, investments in, in foreign domestic investments. Maybe I need to make sure the public trust of the community and that I need to uphold the United States Constitution. I mean, in reality, I wish our president would think that way, but I, I doubt it. But at the same time, I worry about not holding him accountable. And no matter his character flaws, put that aside just for a moment and just think about how dangerous it is to have a, somebody working out of the Oval Office that is basically running his businesses, you know, looking at his profit lines. Uh, maybe that's why he's silent on certain issues. Maybe that's why he pushes certain agenda items, because it helps his foreign and domestic investments. And there have been over a thousand, I think it's a thousand four hundred contacts from foreign and local businesses that have a direct conflict because of the relationship they have with the Trump organization. Mm. You and know, so I, I think it's, it's really there, something that people need to understand. That's where that passion comes from. So, I mean, I think that's an important distinction. And I, I think you're right that it may be lost on a lot of your constituents or other other folks, uh, voters. You're not talking about the things that we might learn, for instance, from the Mueller investigation. You're not you're not sort of projecting forward. You're saying that the conflicts that exist now in b- between his role as president and his role as a businessman is is the source of your frustration and inquiry. It is, and, and it's 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 understandably uh, very much a jeopardi- it jeopardizes our democracy. I mean, he's not going to make the the a decision on the best interest of the American people. Is he going to tell T-Mobile, no, you cannot merge with Sprint? Because it would be very, it's, it's very, very, um, uh, Dutch, I mean, it would have a huge impact on my district if that merger happened, mm-hmm. especially on cost to our consumers. I mean, T-Mobile is one of our more accessible cell phone services programs and so forth. And and I, I worry, uh, and, and, it, and it, again, to me, it's this kind of upgraded version of pay to play, Stephen. Uh, you know, I know it's not like a shoebox of money, right? I know it's not like, you know, handshake and handing a check over. But, you know, if you you got the Saudi Arabian government, the same week, the same breath that they're lobbying our federal government, they're spending $270,000 at the Trump Hotel in D.C. Mm-hmm. I mean, there again is a direct conflict. And no matter what our differences are, Republicans, Democrats, I know deep down many of my colleagues are very much worried about it on both sides of the aisle. They know that our, our stance on certain foreign issues, our stance on, on current issues, especially around, uh, uh, you know, these kind of business mergers, the tax breaks, all these kinds of things are directly, you know, in conflict with his current 
businesses that he, you know, has holdings in. And so I, I am very much wanting a judiciary process to start looking at these offenses and these conflicts directly. And I think it's really important. And, you know, I know people want to start thinking about, well, you know, strategy-wise, Rashida, doesn't this help the other side? Look, I, I don't come from that school of thought. If we constantly are worried about, well, what is this going to look like? It's like, no, but is it the right thing to do now? Uh, and, and I think sometimes we, we fall short and we really let down the people, the American people, because we think too much as a political strategist. And what is this going to look like? No. You know, is this going to give people more faith in their government? that they're working for you, that they're working for the American people. I, I, it is, you know, it's very daunting. And I can tell you, I have people, Republicans in my district, that agree with me about, yes, mm. he needs to uphold a Monuments Clause. Mm. Uh, but I still really like him. And I said, well, <laughs> what if I told you this is what's happening? T-Mobile just did this. Oh, my God, did that really happen? I said, absolutely. And again, I think that information is just not out there. And yeah. I think it, that's why we have the committee process. That's why we have Congress for checks and balances. And look, these are not articles of impeachment, what I'm doing. It is a resolution to begin the investigation to be in the, into these offenses. To, to do the actual inquiry, yeah. yeah. That's an important yeah. distinction, too. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We've got some folks who, who, who have questions, but I also want to pivot and talk to uh, uh, about the two bills that you have introduced recently. One about auto insurance, the other about uh, Petco. Can we, can we quickly uh, get you to, to address those two things? Yeah, I mean, I, all of us in Michigan know we have the highest rates of auto insurance in the nation. Uh, it's one of the top issues I constantly hear consistently from my district. I don't care if they live in Westland, Wayne, Garden City, or in Detroit. I uh, it, it, Right now, you know, in financial, what I had a committee in financial services, I sit on that committee, and all three credit bureaus, Equifax, uh, Asperian, and TransUnion, all three CEOs, uh, I asked the question, do you provide our credit scoring, our consumer report to the auto insurance industry? Yes. What does that have to do with our driving record, our driving history, our likelihood of committing, you know, like uh, or having a car accident? And none of them could answer that question. Uh, and, and it's very clear that, you know, hearing the stories of uh, one woman who retired from Beaumont after 25 years, you know, 55 years she's been driving, doesn't have any tickets, hasn't gotten any car accidents. She called her credit, uh, her car insurance company and says, hey, you guys just increased it. I think it was like uh, $350 or $400. And uh, they said, oh, your credit score dropped. It's because her income became fixed, hmm. Stephen. And when it did that, it kind of dropped her credit score. And it hiked up her car insurance. Right. That has nothing to do with your, your, your driving history, your driving records, your ability uh, to be a safe driver. And so I'm pushing back against that. And I'm saying, look, all three credit, score, uh, credit bureaus cannot provide credit scores to the car insurance industry. It's a discriminatory practice. It's an unfair, and, and we need to stop it. And Congress has the authority to do that. And so I'm really pleased to be able to do that. And you all know um, environmental justice issues is also the second bill. Yeah. is very, very dear to my heart. And, you know, growing up in southwest Detroit, I honestly thought that smell was normal. Mm. You know, I have one of five children have asthma just among, uh, like, three or four of my zip codes. I, I can tell you... This, this idea that we're going to produce these new chemicals, these new toxins, by bringing in tar sands from Canada. And what that produces is these Coke products, Medicoke, Pet Coke, whatever it is. You know, many folks want to know more. I know they're toxins. I know they're carcinogenic. They can cause cancer. They can cause respiratory issues. And I'm saying 
is that the federal government needs to take a stance and take some sort of, um, you know, report out that says exactly what I, I explained and, and then what the best practices are. And, I'm, and I know it's going to lead to you got to cover it up. You got to contain it. Um, and we in Detroit know firsthand what it looks like when we don't contain it. Um, and, and, and it really is something that um, is really important for many people, not only in Michigan, but across the country that are going to probably have to deal with this new product that now is being produced because we're bringing in uh, crude oil from Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's try to get to some quick calls here. Chris in Royal Oak, uh, what's on your mind? Hi. I, hey. I, uh, well, I enjoy the conversation. Sure. And the question I got is, like, we're talking about Donald Trump and his business uh, his ownership, the business he built. Are, are you suggesting then that anyone who's a business owner in the United States can no longer run for president because they have a business? Mm, I'm not sure she's saying no, that. They, yeah, go ahead, Rashida. Okay. No, all I don't 44 want to answer presidents. For yeah, no, all 44 presidents have divested, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, or and they provided their taxes. And what that does is, so for instance, um, for instance, you can if if he wanted to run his business, fine, but don't let T-Mobile stay at your DC hotel. Right. You know, it's see about, the difference here. It's about separating. I have, same, I have more, actually, more ethic standards and requirements I have to follow by that are much higher standard, Stephen, into the caller than to the president right now. Uh, you know, there are certain things that I can't do or anything because it's a conflict. It's a direct conflict. So, if you want to be a CEO and you want to be president of the United States, you got to put American people first, and you got to get rid of any of those direct conflicts. Because that's where corruption happens. Yeah. That's where this like pay to play starts happening. And guess what? Decisions are being made not because it's important for us, the people, but it's important for his business. Right. And that's where uh, the difference uh, comes in. Yeah. So for the caller, it's not like you can't, uh, but you have to divest and you have to show, you know, you have to kind of create this kind of wall between you and your business so that you are not being directly lob- lobbied through those businesses so that you look the other way when right. when mergers uh, people want to merge and you know it's the it's it's a bad decision for people versus it might be a good decision for you uh, as a businessman. Right, uh, Chris, I w- want to thank you for the call. I want to quickly get to uh, another call and and I want to set it up by by talking just a little about the field of candidates that's emerged for the Democratic primary in next year's presidential contest. Robert has a question about that. Robert, go ahead. Hi. Um, I just want to say real quickly that um, everything you said sounds so reasonable and so mainstream, but we hear about all these new progressives coming into office, and right away we hear talk about eliminating ICE, um, reparations, and I heard that, you know, when you talk about... um, the pollution and the coal ash and uh, so Robert, we're going to run out of time, so I want to. I want to get. Just want to know what her thoughts are. Okay, yeah, Congresswoman, go ahead. Uh, talk about th- this idea of reparations, for instance, yeah, emerging so, you know, as a big listen, issue in the Democratic yeah. primaries. Well, I can tell you, you know, look, I I'm co-sponsored uh, a bill around affordable housing with uh, Elizabeth Warren, one of the people running for president. And Senator Warren and I and Ayanna Pressley, many of the people that are, are working on this bill, Stephen, it really goes to the core of some of the structural racism. Uh, that it still exists. And I understand callers don't under, you know, for folks that work on civil rights and look at the history of the United States, many of the policies are currently in the books now. Many of the things that currently exist now it was based on a segregated country, based on, uh, you, know, uh, you know, separate but equal. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So understand that a lot of the things that we're talking about, especially around reparations, like 
Our bill says, look, we want to give those communities that had to deal with the racist federal policy around housing that the federal government was pushing for, right, that we're going to give you some funding to try to combat that, try to look at those zoning and try to adjust those. Because it is important for us to get to the root cause of what's happening with poverty. What's happening to our black brothers and sisters across the country, you know, it's not because they're black. It's because they, they're, you know, and it's something that people think controversial. It's not. It's the most American thing you could do is recognizing that history and saying you have been disenfranchised because historically this is what's happened and it still exists because it's part of the structure that's there that's kind of a wall that doesn't allow equality and justice for all African-Americans in our country. And we need to recognize that and acknowledge that. And guess what? At the long run, it actually becomes more economic, economically viable when we do that, if folks want to look at that. Uh, I always want to look at the human impact, but I know when we do well by that, then we always do well economically and, and become much more responsibly fiscally when we do that. So, uh, but I think the caller for that question, I think it's important to start talking about those, those very critical issues. Yeah. Uh, Rashida Tlaib, Congresswoman from Detroit, who represents Michigan's 13th Congressional District. We never have enough time to get to all the things we want to talk about, but I really appreciate you being here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. We'll talk with you again soon. Up next, we're going to talk about a study that suggests helping immigrants become homeowners might be one of the best ways to build Detroit neighborhoods. Stay with us on Detroit Today.